Hello, go for listeners. Welcome back to another pod. Nate, I'm pretty sure this is this is technically two episodes uploaded in a single week. I think we're making a comeback here. We're underdogs, but we're making a comeback right now. So we're super it's excited. We're just starting, you know. It's you learn as you go, and to be honest, we know that we're probably not one of the best. But you know what? We're making our way there. We want to be the best. Hey, you know what? We're the Darius Leonard of podcasts. Okay, we're we're underappreciated. We are uh, disrespect. I'm just kidding. We're not disrespected, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say. We're the underdogs here, and uh, our our draft grade is lower than it should be. But hey, listen. We're about to we're about to bounce into this game now that the NFL season is fully underway. We've got a yes, slew yes. of incredible yes. and amazing topics to discuss, uh, including the first game of the 2020 NFL season, the Texans versus the Chiefs. And man, what a game that was! Uh, outcome was was exactly as I desired. Exactly as I expected, or not exactly, but to the degree that I expected for the most part. We're going to be jumping into that more in detail here in just a moment. Also, we got some updated news on Julian Blackman. We're going to be discussing three keys to victory this Sunday for the Colts going into this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and much more news on the slate for today. So, without further ado, Nate, we're doing something a little bit different this week in terms of the uh, question here. Um, yep. So, Nate, this is your area of expertise. I'm going to let you take it away with this week's question. Yeah, um, I put the tweet out today, which by the time you guys listen to this, it might be already later, but I put this tweet on um, Twitter top, and it's just a simple question. Who's going to score the first touchdown of the season for the Colts? Who is it going to be? It could be T.Y. Hilton. It could be Jonathan Taylor. It could be Marlon Mack. Michael Pittenham Jr. It could be good old faithful Jack Doyle. It could be anybody. So this is where I want everybody to chime in and be like, I want this guy. I want that guy. I want there to be a debate, basically, on Twitter and be like, this is the guy that's going to get the first touchdown of the Colts season. Well, and you know, this is a great question for debate because I think there are a lot of guys on this offense that can equally there can equally be be made a debate an argument for a handful of guys on this offense that is slated to be a lot more high powered and high octane than last year's offense was so definitely a great question we will be discussing that uh, at the end i'm anxious to see nate what your um what your take is and who you think will be the uh, who will score the first touchdown i i have i have my guy knowing you Nate, i think we're probably on the same page but we well, will times we will, haven't been <laughs> <laughs> there have been times where we haven't been but listen we're we're on the same page more so than we're not okay so i'm yeah. gonna lean on the side of of uh podcast unity today so uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right Julian Blackman is our first topic of the day. He was obviously, as most of us all already know, he was the Indianapolis Colts' third-round selection. He was also our third overall selection in this year's NFL draft, and he has officially been ruled out for Sunday's game versus Jacksonville. Nate, I think this is actually a the best move for Julian Blackman. He's not really in a situation where he has to kind of step into into his role and be the guy right now. I think they fully anticipate him being the guy um, long term. There's a lot of question marks up in the air about Malik Hooker and you know whether or not he's going to come back, whether or not the Colts are going to want him back, whether or not he's going to want to come back to Indianapolis. And so I think there is a lot of uh, a lot of hype building in the air for Julian Blackman, but as of right now, there's really no reason to rush him back. As we all know, he's coming off of what is it? Was it an ACL tear? Is that what he suffered? So, yep. Yeah, ACL tear, and he's still trying to come back to 100% from that. As a matter of fact, this past week in practice, he was interviewed and quoted for saying that he's about at 95% uh, right now. And they, unless he feels 100% healthy, ready to go, 
with the Colts' current situation, which is a good situation right now, I personally don't think they they need to rush Julian Blackman onto the field. No, you're correct. You're absolutely correct. And um, the Colts have always said ever since uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Wright have been the GM and the head coach for the Colts that we don't want to throw in an 80% player. We don't want to throw in a 50%. It has to be 100 or more. We got to let feel that this guy can play like nothing has changed. And with him publicly saying 95%, which is obviously not bad. I mean, for me, I would, if I was the head coach, I'd probably be like, okay, I'll just put you on a snap count. But with Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, they really want to take it easy with Julian Blackman just because of how they feel about him. They feel that he could be definitely one of the cornerstones of this franchise. And I'm not saying it's because Malik Hooker is going to be the man counted out, but they believe in this guy. They love his talent. They love how fast he is. They love how he reacts to the ball. And there's no reason to bring him back really fast because he did heal really fast, um, at least to be practicing because sometimes ACLs take about a year or more to get fully back healthy. And for him to say 95% is miraculous, but I love the Colts move by not letting him uh, play tomorrow night or uh, tomorrow, excuse me. And uh, just let him heal up. Maybe take another two or three weeks. There's no reason to rush. I mean, we feel, I'm sure the Colts feel pretty good about um, their, uh, their, um, corners and their safeties and they're just defense in general if they were worried they'd probably be like okay yeah let's throw them in there but for right now just let them heal up let them be 100 percent or more absolutely and you know they don't want to take a risk at trying to get him out on the field when he's not 100 percent. he said himself he's not 100 percent, and they don't want to get him back out there too early and then risk hurting it again perhaps hurting it worse which would you know basically really devastate his career early on because what if he hurts it again uh and hurts it worse and he's never the same player that the colts drafted him to be that would be Mm -hmm. a tragic story for julian blackman and there's nobody within the colts organization that wants that to happen definitely julian blackman doesn't want that to happen and so this just seems the best case scenario for everyone don't want to re-injure anything and no one's going to know their body more than the player himself you know, nobody else can speak for Julian Blackman's physical well-being more so than himself. He's got to listen to his body, so to speak. And if and if his body's telling him, "Hey, man, <laughs> don't don't go too hard on me quite yet. I'm still trying to come back from this thing," then then Julian Blackman needs to be honest to himself about that. He needs to be honest with the right. Colts about that. And the Colts need to do right by him. And it looks like that's what be, that's what's being done. So I I really do applaud the uh, Colts back office for making this decision. Right. It's just weird for me to say this because I still feel like I'm young, but this guy's a young man for real compared to my age to his. And I know as a young man myself back then, uh, I would always pull it to the fullest, no matter if I was hurt, no matter if I was um, babying something, an injury, I would still try to go full on. And I would even put a poker face and be like, yeah, I'm 100% ready. And you know, you can't go by that. You got to go by um, their physical language, if that's the best way to put it. You got to read their body because you could definitely tell if somebody's babying or they're hurting. And the Colts definitely don't want to risk that for him. And it, it's just, it's, it's a right move. It's definitely the right move for this young man to just take it easy because when you get older, it's not going to get any better. Like right now, like I said, I feel like I'm still 21, but I'm a little bit north of that now and i know my body will ache very next day so just take it easy julian you don't need to rush it right and very quickly before we move on a a uh, flashback that kind of comes to my mind all of a sudden just by talking about what you were saying Nate, about you know about maybe trying to mask an injury or or make it seem like it's it's better than it really is i seem to remember i believe it was 2008 playoffs Marvin Harrison, he had he was injured late in the regular season, hurt his knee real bad, um, and he was he missed a he missed a handful of games because of that knee injury. And when he came back, his first game back was a divisional playoff game against Philip Rivers and the San Diego Chargers, actually. And <laughs> um, you know, I, I noticed one play 
he he fumbled the ball and we lost the fumble and the Chargers recovered it. Um, and I'm pretty sure Philip Rivers marched offense down the field, scored a touchdown on the following drive. But you can you could tell he was terrified to get hit because he just went through that he just went through that traumatic knee injury and he was he was trying to keep people away from that knee as much as possible and that caused him to to open up the the football to uh, a ver- a vulnerable hit and mm-hmm. ultimately he lost the ball and 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 hurt hurt the Colts drive you know they were moving on that drive and and he hurt the Colts drive so so definitely and I'm I'm sure there are many many more examples around the league you know in the history of the NFL where that is that where that has happened and Julian Blackman his, his life is just beginning his career is just beginning there's no reason to put that in jeopardy when he doesn't need when he doesn't need to yep this past Thursday night the Houston Texans faced off against the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City first primetime game the first game period to kick off the 2020 NFL season. And Nate, I think I can speak for both of us and Colts fans everywhere when I say that we got the outcome that we wanted. Uh, It's definitely good news when the team that has won the AFC South the last three or four years, um, you know, they, they lose their first game of the season and they lose it in a very ugly fashion. Nate, there were a lot of problems with the Texans. I don't know. I know it's only the first game. I want to try and avoid overreacting to this. Um, But maybe, you know, we, we all, as we all know with Corona, with coronavirus this year, every team in the NFL had a much shortened off season. They didn't get the same amount of reps in. They didn't get the same amount of, of uh, uh, team practice in. Um, And and so I, that hurt teams all around the league, but the chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs were in the same situations as, as the Texans, Nate, and they just looked better prepared. Um, there were a few, there were a few things that stood out to me, and that was one of them. The Chiefs just seemed a lot better prepared for this game than the Texans did. And they couldn't protect Watson like everybody thought they could, unless the defensive line of the Chiefs dramatically got better, which I don't think they have about the same amount of people that they had last year and they just couldn't protect him. He was running around with like a chicken with his head cut off. Yeah. Like he had to run to the, to the right. He had to run to the left. He had to run backwards a little bit. He would have to get rid of the ball real fast. It could just be because of, you know, their off season was shortened, but basically this looks like the same offensive line that they had last year where Watson was running away from defenders because they couldn't block, which that's what showed up to me personally and then with david johnson it showed that they could run the ball which is you know good for them but you know it's even greater for us because what have we been good at for the last four or five years <laughs> stopping the run yeah so if they if they if they can't run then they have to go to the pass and yesterday or um excuse me thursday night they couldn't hardly pass the ball either none of the catchers were or uh, their wide receivers were getting open and Will Fuller was the only guy that was consistent. He caught at least, I think it was eight catches and had over 100 yards, no touchdowns. So that's the only guy. So he proved that he's the number one now since uh, D-Hop's gone. But the other wide receivers, they disappeared. Like, they made the Kansas City defense look like the number one defense the other night. Yeah, so, they were far from it until really till late in the season last year. The Chiefs' defense was was pretty poor. And so yeah. to you know to make that that chief secondary look elite, you know something is going drastically wrong. And even I want to point out, even Will Fuller in the beginning of that game, um, he dropped a very catchable ball. Could I catch that ball? Probably not. But they are NFL professional receivers. There are receivers, you know, those those receivers they catch passes a lot harder than that all the time. And Deshaun Watson put that ball exactly where it needed to be, and, and Will Fuller just dropped it. So, you know, Deshaun Watson did not get the help he needed um, on any front. Defense couldn't stop the Chiefs. Um, He wasn't getting the protection he needed. And, I mean, which is sad because, I mean, for the Texans, the pass protection has been an area of major concern for years. And Deshaun Watson, my my heart goes out to Deshaun Watson. I think us as Colts fans, we we all kind of feel sorry for Deshaun Watson because – 
it was not all that long ago that we had an elite top five quarterback, no team built around him, terrible leadership that could not put pieces together to help excel him to lead his team uh, to further success. Uh, you know, we once had a top five elite quarterback with a terrible offensive line that was allowing him to get hit 50 plus times a year, resulting mm-hmm. in injury after injury. It wasn't all that long ago that we as Colts fans had to sit around and endure that kind of punishment. We had to watch Andrew Luck go through that kind of punishment. And it seems to be happening with Deshaun Watson. I just feel really bad for him right now. They they are making they make some moves to try and help him, like they signed Laramie Tunsil and they just made him the highest paid uh, tackle in the NFL. Um, however, I did hear an interesting stat by Al Michaels and um, what is it? Who is it? Uh, yeah. I heard an interesting statistic from them last night that said that Laramie Tunsil was also the most penalized offensive lineman in the league last year. I remember that. They made a joke that he has to have his one false start per game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, um, and so I just feel really bad for Deshaun Watson. Bill O'Brien made a bonehead decision um, trading away DeAndre Hopkins, and clearly with that move, it was very clear last night, Nate, that they were missing some explosiveness that they used to have when when Hopkins was there. And mm-hmm. David Johnson, I was really happy to see him have a decent game. He he started off very well, got an early touchdown, uh, ran his longest, ran back his his longest rush since the 2016 season and 19 yard touchdown run. Uh, he's looking better this year, but they had to stop giving him the ball when they went down by multiple scores. Because, you know, when you get in late and you're down by multiple touchdowns, you can't really afford to drain the clock by running the ball. You got to get the ball in the air. And and Deshaun Watson, he he was trying his best, man. He was fighting his hardest to bring this team in a position to, you know, to get back into the game. It just wasn't enough. He doesn't have nearly enough help. And Bill O'Brien made that worse by taking away his number one target. And um, the biggest thing that I wanted to point on, perhaps you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Nate, I can't remember if you did, but just to reiterate in case you did, um, <laughs> they could not stop the run. Um, Edwards Hilaire ran over the Texans defense. Now he's a very talented running back. Uh, seems to be a very talented rookie running back. Uh, the Chiefs line actually looked really physical uh, this past Thursday. The offensive yeah. line looked really physical, looked really aggressive, um, and they opened up some huge gaps for Edwards Hilaire to run through. But you know who else has an amazing offensive line? You know who else has two amazing running backs? Well, we don't actually know the census on uh, – Jonathan Taylor yet, but I'm going to go ahead and assume he's going to be amazing. Uh, Marlon exactly. Mack's extremely talented and extremely explosive. Um, what I'm getting at, Nate, is they got to face a team twice a year that knows how to run the football. And I think us as Colts fans, we need to sit back and we need to look at how badly the Texans struggled to stop the run against the Chiefs, who aren't known for the run game. I mean, you know, uh, Andy Reid passes the ball more than any other offense in the league, and he's known for that. As a matter of fact, they had, um, they had, I believe last year they had the lowest average amount of rushes per game, like twenty three point yeah. three rushes a game. That was easily the lowest average of rushes per game out of every team in the NFL. And um, you know, they aren't known for running the ball, and they ran all over the Texans. So. As we move on, it's it's a it's a thing we need to keep in mind as Colts fans. The Texans they they struggled, and the run yeah. game is a huge piece of our offense. So I think that bodes very well for us against the Texans and, this year. And another stat is that the Chiefs actually ran the ball more than they passed, which is very intriguing. Because, wow. like I said, it's not who they are. They like to pass the ball. Right. But we're not talking about the Chiefs. We're talking about the Texans. And let's be. Uh, Let's go to J.J. Watt. I don't think he lost a step. He looked like he was the best player out there, which he is, because everybody else that's out there, obviously uh, people look at 
merciless. He got that big contract not uh, just about within this week. Then there's another linebacker that just got a uh, contract extension. I think it's McKinney, but they it didn't even look like they deserved that contract. So J.J. Watt, obviously the only player they got. As long as we can contain him, let's go Colt. It's going to be a run game day. Absolutely. And just to reiterate before we move on, the biggest reason why we're going over um, the Texans and Chiefs game is because Houston Texans, obviously, um, they affect us very directly. They are a division opponent. I would consider them a uh, our division rival. And we play them twice a year. And how they play, good or bad, directly affects our divisional championship chances and our playoff chances. So um, I forgot to mention at the beginning, this is a new segment we're starting up as the season goes along called Keeping Up with the South. We will be analyzing the performance of Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Houston to some extent uh, briefly throughout the season to keep tabs on how they're doing as opposed to how the Colts are doing. So this week, uh, we definitely wanted to make mention of the Texans. And um, uh, I, I like what I see out of the Texans as a Colts fan, Nate. I like what I see. And I think we have – I think we have – this is a good thing for us. <laughs> it is a good thing for us by by far. So I, I'm excited, and uh, now the Colts just have to show that they can compete, which leads me into our next topic. We are uh, also starting another segment called Three Keys to Victory, and uh, we are going to be it's pretty self-explanatory. We're going to be talking about the three things that the Colts have to get right in order to win their next matchup. In this case... We have, uh, you know, we're going into Jacksonville to face the uh, less than stellar Jaguars. And um, <laughs> even still, even though they're being considered by many the worst team um, in the league just going into the year, um, there are still some key things that the Colts need to do to um, to get this win on Sunday. You, even yeah. Even with the worst team in the league, as any good coach will say, you never underestimate an opponent, regardless of who they are, because every team has a strong point. And the moment you over under uh, underestimate an opponent, and you act like it's going to be a breeze, and you're already moving on to next week, that's when they come back to bite you, and you have an you, and you get an embarrassing loss on your record for the year. And the Colts don't want to see that happen. So, Nate, I'm going to let you uh, start off with the three keys to victory. Uh, what do you what do you think the Colts need to do in order to win this game Sunday? Well, I'm going to start from. Three down, so three, two, one, not one, two, three, because you know, I want it to be <clears throat> intense. I want this to be an exciting moment for Colts fans. And my number three, T.Y. Hilton gets some TDs, man. It's been a while. It feels like it's been a whole year since we've seen you go crazy on a defense. So you say you're 100% healthy. You feel like the T.Y. Hilton that's the 2016 T.Y. Hilton, who went crazy, went over a 1,000 yards. I think it was like seven touchdowns, maybe more. If we can get that T.Y. Hilton involved, there's no defense that's going to be stopping T.Y. Hilton. Not the Texans, not the Titans, and not the Jaguars. So get this guy involved because he is the GOAT. He is the wide receiver. He is the guy for the Colts on offense. And then number two. Show us what you got, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers, let's go crazy. Let's see what the Chargers are missing. Are they missing that leader? Are they missing that accurate quarterback? Are they missing that energizer bunny for the offense? Is this the Philip Rivers of 2018 or is this the Philip Rivers of 2019? From what I'm hearing, this is Philip Rivers of 2018. This guy has been stellar. He's been great. Obviously, there's been a few bumps and bruises, but he's shown that, hey, I'm a leader. I can take away some interceptions. I don't need to do this all by myself. But I'm going to show Indianapolis that you're getting a quarterback that can lead you to victory. And then number one, defense. Go crazy on the Jags offense. Like you said earlier, Elijah, this is a poor, poor Jaguars team. We cannot go lightly on them. What happens when we do that? If we go lightly on a, on a team... We end up looking like idiots. We look. We don't look like a competitor. We don't look like a contender for the Super Bowl. And Darius Leonard, you said you wanted to be a number one defense in the NFL. You guys want to take 40 takeaways this year. 
and that would lead um, the entire NFL. So let's see that defense go crazy. DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, um, Hooker, Rakusin, Rhodes, everybody, all 11, go crazy on the Jags offense. All right, three excellent points, Nate. I love your take on T.Y. Hilton. I'm really excited about T.Y. and Phillip Rivers' chemistry. Uh, just from what I've, hear, I've heard coming out of training camp and coming out of practice, they seem to be that perfect mesh of each other. You know, they kind of, as cliche and, and cheesy as this is going to sound, they complete each other in a sense yeah. because, you know, T.Y., he, he loves finding though the soft spots in the secondary. He loves finding those soft spots in the coverage. And Phillip Rivers, he loves finding the soft spots in the coverage. He loves, you know, he played, he played with uh, Keenan Allen, who isn't a big receiver. He's a speedy, slightly smaller receiver, who plays similarly, in my opinion, to T.Y. Hilton. And Phillip Rivers loves being able to check down to the running back you know, in soft coverage and, allow, and allowing our skill guys to do their job. And T.Y. Hilton is one of those guys. So I, I definitely love that take. And, and I, love, I completely agree with all three points that you made, all of which are going to be integral to the Colts running away with this game. My three keys to victory this Sunday. First of all, I wanted to say that in any game and with any good coach, you're going to highlight your strengths and minimize your weaknesses. You want to assess what is your strong suit, assess what is your weakness, find a way to maximize the opportunities with your strong suit, and find a way to minimize the casualties of your weaknesses and perhaps our biggest strength offensively is running the football we finished seventh overall in average rushing yards per game we were extremely effective on the ground marlon mack is is a talented talented running back and we have obviously we have an incredible top three in my opinion the best current offensive line unit in the nfl we acquired more elite talent out of Jonathan Taylor. You know, we have, and we have um, solid help for, um, you know, rotational players such as Neheim Hines and Jordan Wilkins in there. We have an incredible uh, running unit, and I feel like the Colts are going to need to run the ball extremely well. Um, they need to do what they are best at, which is running the football. They need to decimate this Jacksonville defense, which is less than stellar they got tons of holes all across the field they've gotten rid of uh Calais Campbell Jalen Ramsey left we know the drama behind that situation uh in Gawkway, he he's out of there um you know Jacksonville is tanking I don't care who says it the media the the wide scale sports media they don't like the term tanking because they're like the players don't tank the coaches don't tank I don't believe that and I I believe I agree with that sentiment the players won't be tanking. The coaches coaches won't be tanking. The players that they have on the field are going to play their hearts out. The coaches are going to coach their hearts out. But, Nate, as an organization, a way to tank without obviously tanking is getting rid of all your star power. And that's exactly what Jacksonville has done this year. This, this season has already been written off. They're moving on to Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, one of the two next year. They are completely moving on to next year, and nobody – will uh, change my mind of that fact. But with that being said, the Colts need to capitalize and run the ball well. Secondly, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers. We need to maximize our turnover rate on the defense, and we need to minimize turnovers, obviously, on the offense. So um, this is kind of a two-part key to victory in terms of the fact that we need to um, get many takeaways on defense. We need to limit our takeaways. Uh, we need to limit how often we lose the ball on offense. And so, you know, the Colts, as we were talking about in our last segment, they, you know, they, they want to get a lot of takeaways this year. And um, what was the number? Like 40 takeaways. Yep. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a pretty lofty goal and they have a chance to get off to an incredible start. I could see them getting three takeaways in this game. At least the Colts go after the ball. Matt Eberflus puts a premium on attacking the football on every play these it's not just Darius Leonard. You know, George Odom did it last year. 
you know, Kerry Willis and, 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 you know, all, all of them, Kenny Moore, they know how to punch that ball out. They go after the ball. Um, and I, I could see them forcing a couple fumbles, getting an interception or two on Gardner Minshew. They have a, a potential to get up to a fantastic start um, with getting a handful of takeaways in this game. My third and perhaps most important key to victory against the Jacksonville Jaguars specifically is don't beat yourself. Limit your mistakes. Limit your penalties. Our offensive line was one of the most um, strict and demanding and um, disciplined units in all of the NFL. They were uh, very good on this front, um, but we got to limit mistakes on defense. You know, we got to know we got to know what we can get away with and what we can't in terms of pass interferences. Uh, you know, when it comes to holding penalties, anything across the board, we have to limit mistakes. Because I feel like the only way Jacksonville beats us is if we just play sloppy football. Because again, we're under uh, we're underestimating them. We play sloppy football and we make too many mistakes. I don't want this first game of the season to be sloppy football. Uh, it needs to be yes. disciplined, low mistake football. And they do those three things, in my opinion, Nate, especially make, uh, especially combined with your three keys to victory. I see the Colts completely running away with this game. Yeah, and uh, Jim Irsay has stressed this out to Frank Reich, saying, I'm tired of losing opening days. I'm tired of it. Frank, you yeah. need to swim. Yes. And with Irsay coming and saying that, I think Frank Wright should take it personally and be like, okay, I get you, Jim Irsay. I get it. It's been a while since we won. I think it's since 2013 was the last time Colts won the first game of the season. Man. So I think Frank Wright takes it to heart, and he gets his boys ready, and they should take these Jaguars out. So, Nate, there are a handful of great games going on this week uh perhaps one of the better ones that people were looking out for has already come and gone with the texans facing off against the chiefs and um you know that was uh, obviously the chiefs ran away with that game and i think the biggest must watch game for us as colts fans is going to be the indianapolis colts playing the jacksonville jaguars however for this particular question who which, which game is a must-watch game besides the Indianapolis Colts this week? This is a this is a great question. As a matter of fact, we would love to hear um, everybody's responses to this question on our Twitter page, at GFI Podcast. Go over there on Twitter. Uh, make sure to follow us, first of all, if you're not. And let us know, aside from the Colts game going down 1 o'clock tomorrow against the Jacksonville Jaguars, what other game is a must-watch game, in your opinion? What's that, that other game that you are just going to be tuning into that you don't want to miss? Nate, for me, it did not take me long to come to this decision. We are getting it for perhaps what will be the only the only time in the NFL that we will ever see these two take the field uh, twice this year in the regular season. For me, hands <laughs> down, the must-watch game, aside from the Colts, is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the New Orleans Saints. Two good old-fashioned, one-time, well, couple-time faces of the league. Tom Brady, <laughs> Drew Brees, fight for the ages, in the same division, playing each other twice this year. Drew Brees is pretty, he is done after this year. Um, so I'm so happy we get to see this. I'm so happy we get to see two all-time greats face off head-to-head <laughs> twice. Um, the Buccaneers and Saints, the Bucks are loaded on offense. The Saints are loaded on offense. Uh, I think, uh, the Saints defense is perhaps based off of last year. I think the Saints defense is perhaps better, but it's going to be, I fully expect it to be a shootout. They both have, both teams have top five wide receivers, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans. Some might even consider Chris Godwin a top five, top 10 receiver, and it's just going to be a high octane game from start to finish, and I am super excited to uh, to catch this game. Do you think it's too late to uh, catch the phrase and call this the forty plus bowl? The like, forty just, plus bowl. <laughs> the forty plus bowl. Yeah, because I think this is the first time in NFL history where 
two quarter two quarterbacks are over, are over the age of forty, and they're playing each other twice. And yeah, you know what? I'll go ahead and key that phrase: the forty plus bowl. Twitter, if you love it, do a thumbs up. A heck yeah, whatever. If you hate it, well, too bad. I'm gonna say it anyway. It's the forty plus bowl. <laughs> hashtag it. Hashtag it. Hashtag forty plus bowl and tag at GFI podcast. We want this to trend. Dog yeah. on it. Oh, I, love, watch, I love that name. I love that name. And watch, and watch Drew Brees and Tom Brady get a whiff of it. <laughs> and I don't know if they'll take it as a compliment or they'll take it as a as a hatred towards him. I don't know. I, I think, I think be, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. And that's the first game I went to was the Saints and the Buccaneers. So I was kind of like, more likely is uh, Elijah is going to talk about this. So I'm going to try to see what other games you know that I can well, Nate. Yeah, so I went to like the Rams and the Cowboys. Yeah, that's kind of a good game. But what's more important for us to watch, for me personally, is the Tennessee Titans versus the Broncos. And that is the second Monday night game, and that starts at 1020. The only reason why I say that, Colts fans, is because we watched the Texans Thursday night why not go ahead and watch the Titans Monday night? Let's see what they're going to bring to the table. Are they going to be the same Titans that later on in the year were hot? Or is this the same Titans that was slow and wasn't very good in the beginning of the year? So this is kind of intriguing. And you're like, well, the Broncos are not that good. Hey, hey, hey. Remember, they still got a number one defense out there. Even though they lost Von Miller, they're still a number one defense. And they're facing an offense that... It could be hot. It could be cold. And then you got Drew Locke, who is four and one as a starter. So is he going to continue being on that hot streak and continuing to tear up the uh, Tennessee defense? Or is the Tennessee defense supposedly gotten better and holding Drew Locke um, to another loss? Because Drew Locke got great receivers in the draft. He got um, Jerry Judy. He got another wide receiver from, from Penn State. I can't remember his name. And then you still got Cortland Sutton. And then your tight end, Noah Fant. And then your running backs. Um, uh, oh, man, I blanked on the name. That is horrible. Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon. Yes, and you got those two running backs. Thank you, Elijah. Hey, so welcome. this is something that us Colts fans need to look at and be like, okay, is the Tennessee Titans a threat? What's their weaknesses? Is it the run game or is it the passing game? Is it against the run or is it against the pass? So that gives us as Colts fans something to look at, and we can just be like, okay, the Colts got this in the bag, or oh, the Colts got going to have a little trouble with this or a little trouble with that. This gives us an idea before we even face the Titans what it could be like. Absolutely. I actually really love this matchup. Uh, this is another great game to be looking out for. I think as Colts fans – we need to be watching our AFC South opponents very closely. And this is a game right off the bat. It's not going to be uh, – I don't really even know how to predict that game. I don't even I don't even want to predict that game because uh, the Broncos are a young team, really. Um, Up-and-coming team. I'm a believer, personally. I'm a believer in Drew Locke. I watched – I kind of got on a Drew Locke kick here a couple weeks ago for a day, and I watched his highlights from la- late last year. And uh, just kind of, you know, freshened up a little bit on on who Drew Locke was. And I don't know, the guy seems legit in my opinion. And I think in his second year, you know, starting, um, starting right from the beginning, right from the get go, I think he could present a problem for the Titans. And uh, you know, hey, I would not be disappointed if every if everybody in the AFC South, except for the Colts, loses Week One. So can't uh, can't be upset about that at all. So going back to the Colts, we have quite a few playmakers on both sides of the ball. And I think there are a lot of, of players from rookies to second-year guys to leaders and, and veterans on the team who have been with the Colts three years or longer. Uh, on all fronts, really, there are multiple Colts that have a chance to make a huge impact in this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which leads us to our third new segment. Man, we are on a roll. 
two episodes in one week, uh, three new segments. We're starting now that the season's fully underway. Nate, man, I'm feeling so good right now. And uh, the third the third segment mm-hmm. that we're starting, you know, is called Cult of the Game, where we will pick the player that we feel will contribute the most to uh, each and every game week after week. And then after the game has been played, we will go back and pick who we thought actually contributed the most in the game once the game has been played. So Yeah, and either whine when you're wrong or either you you uh, start going nitpicking fun at the other person, you know what I mean? Hey, maybe we should just make this a competitive thing and start keeping score because I'm feeling I'm uh, feeling good yeah. about this one. Oh no! Oh no! I don't know. I I don't think I'm that good at these type of games. <laughs> okay. Well, we don't have to keep score, but I, mean, Nate... I, I do a pick game, or um, I do a on ESPN with my wife where we game, see who wins and who loses. You know, I'm a sports guy. I I think I'll do all right. No, for the last two years, my wife has beaten me out. Write this down. She has beaten me on a lot of games and has beaten me for two years in a row on guessing the right games. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's something, you know, that's my luck. My wife doesn't even care about football. At least your wife cares about football to some extent. And like, she knows, she knows a pretty good deal about football as opposed to others. <laughs> my wife doesn't even care about football. She fights me each and every year on even watching football. Um, but just, it would just be my luck. If I tried to do the same thing with her, um, she would pick the team that had the prettiest logo, and then she would probably win most of the time. Uh, that's that's how she that's how she would pick teams. She would either pick them for their name or for their logo. That's I can guarantee you. Uh, that's how my wife would pick them, and she would probably beat me. So I hope she somehow catches catches a glimpse of this podcast and hears you say that, and goes on record on Twitter or something. And personally just demolishes you somehow. I don't know. I think it'd be hilarious. <laughs> I might just have to play this. I might just have to play that with her and see, and just see how we fare. So, um, but Nate, you might. Go I've been to Tennessee, but I hear they got great music down there. So I picked Tennessee because of their music. I, I can see that. <laughs> and that's that's probably how it would go oh well you know what we went to gatlinburg i, I think uh i love gatlinburg so i think tennessee's gonna win oh <laughs> uh, i could see it now but and they, you might be you might be surprised by my 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 prediction for week one cult of the game based on oh. our last our our discussion from the last game uh, my top it's... player prediction for week one against the mediocre Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be RB1 Marlon Mack. I think what? I think what? week 1 hey I'm telling you I'm thinking week 1 especially against this um very mediocre Jacksonville defense Marlon Mack is fresh he is ready to go we've already discussed how uh you know on the depth chart he's still number 1 Frank 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 Reich still plans on, uh, you know, giving him the rock. It was actually just recently reported. There's rumors that suggest that Jonathan Taylor was drafted at least for this year to basically, as they say, spell Marlon Mack, which means basically give Marlon the early game action and probably late second quarter into the third quarter, give him a rest, put Jonathan Taylor in the game to keep Marlon Mack more fresh for the fourth quarter, where hopefully the Colts are leading late and they can milk the clock by running the ball. I think this is a very effective way to utilize Marlon Mack, to keep him healthy, to keep him on the field. And if he can stay on the field, um, he can wreak havoc. With this offensive line, getting our entire unit back, um, I look for Marlon Mack to have a an incredible performance week one against Jacksonville. You, you knew exactly where I was going with this. You knew that you were going <laughs> to if we were going to try to keep record of who was right and who was wrong. You knew we were going to pick Marlon Mack. You're such a cheater. A cheater, I tell you. Who you are talking up Philip Rivers 
especially in the past podcast, saying he's going to demolish the Jaguars. He's going to come out there and show he deserved to have another year. He deserved to be the best player in the league. He Just because of his age, just because of my decline, it doesn't mean it's going to stop me. And you're just all yakety, yakety, yakety about Philip Rivers. I was going to tear him up. And you just steal my pick, Marlon Mack? <laughs> Hey, I didn't actually know you were going to pick Marlon Mack. Uh, I thought you were going to go with Jonathan Taylor, to be honest, if you were going to go any different. The way you hyped him up, um, not in the podcast, but to me personally, the way you were starting, I thought you were going to say Jonathan Taylor, but hey, it's okay. I'll, sh- I'll share it, I guess. I picked him <laughs> well because um, the last game of the season, Marlon Mack um, didn't get to show much because – the Jaguars were somehow killing us and we were just getting far behind. We didn't know what to do. Um, but the first game of last year against the Jaguars, Marlon went crazy on them. And then Jonathan Williams went crazy on them. Both of them had a, over a hundred yards. So that's why I believe the Jaguars defense is still bat, pretty bad against the run. They didn't really beef up in the interior. Um, they lost um, in Gagway, but they still got some pretty good, um, young pass rushers, so I think that's to their advantage a little bit. But other than that, they didn't get any better, I believe, on the defensive side of the ball. They've lost so many good players, especially from the 2017-2018 season when they were this Saxonville. They were this feared defense, and it's not that anymore. This is more of a laughing stock defense the past couple of years, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but it's been true. And Marlon Mack's been going crazy all over him for the last couple of years. And I believe that's going to continue. I th- I don't think there's no need for Phillip Rivers to go too crazy and feel like that it's all on his shoulders. I believe all he has to do is give it to Marlon Mack, have the offensive line do what they do, and, he- and Marlon's going to run all over him. So me and you are on the same page on this one, and we both agree Marlon Mack will be the cold of the game. And just as a side note, guys, we're going to be also witnessing history. If for some reason Philip Rivers needs to throw or he wants to throw, he would need three touchdowns to become the sixth player in NFL history with 400 total touchdown passes. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize he was that close. Come on, Philip. You can do it, Philip. I'm a believer. Let's go, Colts. Let's go, Colts. We are excited. Yeah, man. Can you believe, Nate? Colts football is right around the corner. Like, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Not around the corner. It's there in sight. We see it. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. I know everybody listening, uh, you know, Colts fans yourselves, you are excited as well. So, as we bring this episode to a close, we cannot forget the question that was posed at the beginning of of the episode that Nate so eloquently put together and challenged everyone to head over to Twitter at GFI Podcast and give your argument for the player you think will score the first touchdown of the season for the Indianapolis Colts. Nate, I've talked a lot of this pod. I'm going to let you lead off with your answer first. It's the ghost, man. He deserves it. He's the leader. He's been a Colt for all his career. I think it's that guy that deserves to get the first touchdown of the season. Are you kidding me right now? Are you serious? I'm being dead serious. Hey, you stole my idea. I stole, I stole Come on. <laughs> I knew I should have been the first one to go. I knew I should have been. Hey, I guess fair is fair, though. I, I also have chosen T.Y. Hilton. I think, personally, I think T.Y. is going to have a great game. I, I fully expect him to... Um, to notch two touchdowns in this game. In week one against the Chargers last year, T.Y. was completely healthy, to my recollection. Oh. And he he tore up the Chargers in that game. Yes, he did. And, you know, I fully expect him to do that against Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a great time for T.Y. to make a statement and, and just remind everybody, hey, listen, I might have missed a handful of games last year, but I'm back, I'm healthy, and I'm still the number one guy here in Indy, and I think he's going to prove that. I'm completely on board with you, Nate, on that response. I, too, think T.Y. Hilton not only is going to score the first touchdown, I think he's going to decimate the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm saying 120-plus receiving yards 
two touchdowns. I think he's going to have a a blast against Jacksonville. And here's uh, this one. I think might be different if I ask this question: Who would be your second pick to be the first touchdown of the season maker? Like, who's the dark horse? Who you would be shocked would get the first touchdown of the season? Who I would be shocked? Um, let's see. Kenny Moore pick six. Ooh, I wasn't even going that route. I was gonna say, I was gonna say Mo Alley Cox. He's a Get dark horse. That. that is a dark horse. But he's gonna be getting yeah. some playtime. Where our tight end department is skeletal right now. Yeah, yeah. So my dark horse would be Mo Alley Cox, and yours would be Kenny Moore, pick six. Yeah, I, I feel. I'm just feeling a little crazy. I'm feeling a little crazy. So hey, dark horse. Crazy. We've said it so many times, people would, should be used to that by now. Yeah, they should be. I mean, we're, what, 21, 22 episodes in, so I think uh, I think people should be used to that. So thank you all so much for listening. It, it cannot be stated enough how much we appreciate people um, finding value in our podcast enough to take even just a moment out of your day to listen to our, our segment um, week after week, episode after episode. I did want to give a progress report. Because we missed a few weeks on the pod, our um, recurring listener base dropped down to like three people. And after the last episode, we jumped back up to 10 uh, unique listeners with our last episode. So I think I speak for both Nate and myself when I say how grateful we are um, that you've chosen to listen. And if you like what you hear or if you think we're just so crazy that you have to share us with somebody else, please, please, by all means share this with your friends anybody friends family anyone that you have these same conversations with or if we're just so loony that you have to show us to somebody else that's fine too just show people spread the word that really helps us out a lot um so nate that's all i got did you have anything else no just let's go colts please let's show the national national audience what we are and what we can do and let them know we're a force to be reckoned with let's go colts Let's go Colts. We will catch you all next week after a dominant week one win against Jacksonville Jaguars. This has been Elijah Elmore with my co-host Nathaniel Velasquez, and we will catch you next week. Thank you guys. Take care. T-Y-T-Y-T-Y-T-Y.